0: Hello, and welcome to Enneagram and Coffee, the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Case, and I am so happy to have coffee with you today. Hello, everybody. So I am gearing up for kind of a hard, quick chat for us to have. So... Before I dive in, I want to give you a bit of a chance to opt out of this one. It's going to be pretty heavy. Um, It could be triggering if you have a history with alcohol or suicide, whether that's, you know, on your own or a family member. And if you don't feel like you're in the place emotionally to have that conversation, this may not be the quick chat for you today. I just want to be as upfront as possible. Please tend to your own mental health first and foremost. I'll give you a second for those who want to want to opt out to, to kind of take that time. So last Sunday, a week and two days ago, my brother called me. Um, so he lives in Florida. I have two brothers who live in Florida and two brothers who live here. One of my brothers from Florida called and said, and I didn't answer because I didn't know who it was because we don't really talk. So um, he left a message on my voicemail that said, Hey, we need to talk and we need to talk about dad. And immediately I knew that my dad had died. And I didn't know in what circumstances he would have died, but I, you know, my brother never calls me. I don't even know how he got my phone number. Maybe out of my dad's phone or something, but yeah. So I called him back and he let me know that my dad committed suicide. And honestly, like in that conversation, I felt shock, you know, I didn't really feel much because I was kind of just like confused and numb and like asked some questions and I went to the bathroom and I came out and I kind of like a looked like a deer in headlights and didn't like look to OB my husband and was like um my my dad's dead and he just like came and hugged me and my stepson came and like ran into the room and hugged me. I didn't even like realize that he could have heard me. Um, I thought I whispered it. Um, and we all just like hugged and cried. And my stepson said, was it because of COVID? I hear a lot of people are dying of COVID. Like that's I was like, Oh buddy. um, that's like a whole other conversation. Just like kids having to carry the weight of coronavirus, like, ooh, that's too much. But so we, you know, we had that moment, and I called my family because I called my mom. Um, they're not together, but you know, she would want to know. And my my other two brothers who live in North Carolina, I, I called both of them, and we just kind of talked. And my family is kind of a practical family. Like all of us are pretty, um, we're not, my mom is like, we're not sentimental people. <laughs> That's kind of her thing. And, and we, I think I am the most sentimental of all of us. And I am the least sentimental of my friends, if that makes sense. But we all, our first response was like very pragmatic. Like, well, you know, he had a lot of hard Times and he had some struggles, and so you know, that's kind of where we all were. And then, um, my mom, she's so so good about like not letting you feel shame or guilt, like, she's just very very good about that. And she was like, I want you to know because I felt guilty, um, because we didn't have like a really strong relationship, and I felt like I should have visited him more. And I talked to my mom about that and she, my brother felt the same way, one of them. And she said, you know, he made the decisions that he made in his life and he chose not to live near you and he chose not to visit you or to call you. And you, you know, you can't feel guilty for the things that he chose to do in his life. And that was really helpful. My dad was, such an, he was an alcoholic in like a non-functioning way, almost childlike. And he would wake up in the morning and and immediately start drinking and drink until he went to bed at night. And I, have I haven't seen him sober. I've seen him sober two times in my life. One was at his mom's funeral and one was, he drove from Florida to North Carolina toward the end of last year as kind of like a last ditch effort to see us and to connect with us and kind of was expressing his guilt and his emotions while also make amends or something. I don't really know what he was doing. I I, I think he was, he was unhappy in Florida. Um, he'd gotten really old. I mean, much, much older um, and is just less mobile than he used to be and was living with my brother who both of my brothers who live in Florida are like crazy, um, like drug addicts who are in and out of prison all the time and like dramatically. So like to the point where like one of them held the other one up at gunpoint and like went to prison for like holding him hostage for like days it's like pretty intense. So he was living with that brother. And so I think he was coming here to get away, um, to try and find like some stability of his own. But at that point, you know, I lived with my husband and our child and I couldn't let like my alcoholic father, like move in with my kid. And my, my brothers here had like their things going and, My mom, you know, she's like, he was really, really awful, um, to her when they were married and she, they've really had like attempts to have like a good relationship. And in some ways they do, but you know, it's not her place to take care of him. And so she eventually said like, you should go back to Florida. Like, you know, that's where you've lived your whole life. Like you didn't live near them when they were young, we had a relationship to him, but it, it's, it's hard when someone's that much of an alcoholic to really create intimacy with them. So he went back to Florida and then I would guess it's been like nine months. It's hard to remember time with COVID, but I guess like nine months later, he, he killed himself. So that is what is going on back here. So it's been really, really hard if I'm honest. It's not been easy or light at all. I've really struggled to grieve and to grieve honestly. I'm grateful for the Enneagram that I know what my work is in this way. In the past, if I would have experienced this, I likely would have just moved on. And I wouldn't have felt the feelings that I feel. I wouldn't have let myself feel sad or grieve or be angry, um, all of the feelings that I that are real and present and needed to be felt, I would have just kind of moved on with business as usual and then like six months later not really understood why I was so anxious, if that makes sense. That's kind of how I would have handled it before. Now with the Enneagram, I know like I need to just dive headfirst into the grief and the anger and the sadness and the emotions that I really would like to avoid and the sooner I can do that the sooner I can understand what is my new normal my grandfather who was big time like like a dad to me played that role a lot I multiple times moved in with my grandparents growing up and they did a really large part in raising me just because we had a lot of chaos in my home not only with my dad but also at my mom's house so they were my stability. And he was the most consistent like father figure in my life. And he passed away last summer. And with his death, I was like the last person to speak to him. And we, I, yeah, who, um, I was there the whole time. Like he was in hospice. So there was like a degree of like grieving while he was still technically alive, even though he wasn't fully cognizant, you know, he was still there. And I was with my grandma and my aunt all week long, just sitting by his bedside. I brought my laptop and I worked from the hospice swing. And, and so in that way, there was a little bit of getting to grieve lightly with my, my family. And then the next week I didn't get to go to his funeral. I was like, on a plane to Copenhagen to write my book. Like that's what I had to do. I didn't really have another option. So I did that. And my family is, again, we're very practical people. My mom was like, your grandpa isn't here anymore. Like once his body is not him, like he, he knows what you're doing. He would be proud of you and like, happy for you to go do this. And like, he is not going to think that it's important that you were at this one ceremony when you were there his whole life. And and I believe that that's true too. And so, anyway, I, with that grief, I went to Copenhagen. And Copenhagen was honestly one of the happiest times of my life. I wrote every day, I rode scooters through the city. I was seeing Copenhagen's my favorite place I've ever been. I lived the life of my dreams in Copenhagen, and I was just. Overwhelmingly happy, and I was present with the fact that Papa was gone, like my, my grandpa died. But I didn't cry about it in the same way, like every once in a while, I guess, but like not in the way that I'm doing with my dad. And I'm grateful that I had that week away because I had already pre created all of my work for the time that I was gone. And so I didn't have anything to do except for write and feel and be present with the world. And so with that granted, I was writing a lot and had to really focus on that. So, um, there was this weird dance of like gr- gratitude that I was able to have that time and sadness. like, And now And not sadness, but, like, now I know that I didn't really fully grieve his death. And it wasn't until, like, nine months later, eight months later or something, my husband was like, hey, how are you doing with your grandpa? I just sort of broke down and started sobbing. Like, I didn't even know that pain was in me, if that makes sense. Like, I wasn't dealing with my grandpa, right? I hadn't even handled that. I hadn't even processed it or couldn't even process it. And I really just started writing about him two weeks ago. I started writing about that loss and then my dad and I was like, I'm not going to do the same thing. I'm going to walk head into the fire and I'm going to feel it. I'm going to deal with it and I'm not going to pretend like this isn't happening. And in some ways, I think the grief with my dad is... Harder, um, because it's kind of someone DM'd me and they were like, "Yeah, what you're dealing with is called complicated grief because there's no closure on a relationship that desperately needed it. Um, there's no healing to a, the relationship that did exist, and I will never have the dad that I thought I could have one day. And as long as he was alive, there was like hope that one day he would be whole, and and now that is gone." and so um it's an acceptance of not only his death but also the reality of what his life has been and that is really 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 hard and my brother said you know i think when you lose a parent it's like you lose a part of you and whether no matter what the relationship was like it's like part of you has died and I think there's also an added layer of complication around the way he died and that the idea of that being part of me, there's just a lot of, a lot to unwind and, and work out there. Yeah. So that's that <laughs> What's going on. I'm like, oh. so I found out on Sunday that he had passed and I was, and that day I was like, I'm going to need to go away. Like, I don't think I can do this in front of you talking to OB like I don't think I can do this in front of you um, because it's I'm having a hard time just grieving in front of me at that point like I have a hard time letting myself grieve so feeling watched at the same time would be too much for me and and he understood that and it was like I just don't want you to be alone and I was like honestly that is 100% what I need right this week is to be alone and So I booked an Airbnb in a different city. I went to Savannah, Georgia. And if you don't know, like, so I'm currently in the mix of, like, some medical stuff. So I have, like, lung things going on. And I have, like, just found out that I have, like, one working kidney. And that kidney is not doing very well. And so with COVID, I'm, like, pretty high risk because COVID goes for lungs and kidneys. And so I am... It, I've been very careful. Like, I go home. I go to my office where I work alone. When the postal person knocked on the door, I waited until they walked away before I opened it. Like, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't I don't go to the grocery store. I don't interact with anybody. And so going to Savannah was really scary. And I actually so completely social distanced in Savannah, too. Like, I just... Got coffee in the morning um, at the coffee shops that were the safest. Like people, they would let like one customer in at a time, and there was like glass in the window. And this is the most I've done since March, y'all. Like going to a coffee shop and ordering it, wearing a mask, not getting within six feet of anybody. Like that was terrifying for me. And like not something I'm desiring to do again for a while. So and then for the rest of the time, I stayed in the apartment that I rented. I ordered takeout and I got some groceries delivered, and that's it. That's all I did. And I cried, and I did yoga, and I went for a walk in the morning before people were out. But around nine thirty in the morning, most days, not only was Savannah like a hundred degrees and like impossible to breathe. Like it was just like, so humid, so hot, but there were so many people out and so many people not wearing masks. So I just, I stayed inside. I like, I did yoga. I watched movies, which as a seven, if you're another seven, I have a hard time feeling my feelings. And I, even on my own, especially on my own, actually, I think like joy is just kind of like my first emotion and I have to intentionally get below the joy to feel the pain. And so sometimes watching really sad movie will help me to even acknowledge that I'm sad at all. And so I watched some sad movies and I wrote a lot. Um, Writing is like the best way for me to get through my feelings. You know, I feel them and then to process them, I have to write. So that's what I did. I did that for a week and then I came home and Saturday night I freaked out. I like screamed. I broke something. I broke my favorite candle holder and I was just shaking and wailing and feeling like, I don't know how my husband is going to do this with me. Like, how is he going to make it through this season of me being this way? And, um, talk to him about that. And we talked for hours and hours and hours about my feelings and, and he was so, I mean, this is the time to be married to a four. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the time where he really gets to shine. Because <laughs> he's like, I'm glad you broke that candle holder. I think screaming is exactly what you need to do right now. And he's like, I'm going to ask you about your feelings more. And I'm not scared of that. I'm not scared of your darkness. And I'm like, but I am. <laughs> you know? So, um yeah. So he's really just encouraging me to feel and he has taken on like 10 times the load of what he normally does you know he's doing everything in the house that is his and everything that is mine and also supporting me emotionally also homeschooling our kid also you know he's in school and works for me and is doing all of that um while I kind of just crumble If I'm honest, um, I'm working a little bit, like I'm here recording this for you, but I'm doing the very, very bare minimum of work that feels connective for me. And then I'm mostly just kind of been laying in bed and I worked from bed yesterday afternoon. And today I might, I might work from bed. I might just cry. I don't know. Like that's kind of the deal. And and then next week is our anniversary. So we had already taken the week off to go. Um, we rented a cabin in the middle of the woods to kind of like social distance vacation. So we're going to go to a cabin next week and just be alone and yeah, be together. So he's going to need that vacation, I think, because I don't know. It's weird. This is a weird time. And I think you don't know how long this is going to last. And, and I think it, it is forever, right? Like my relationship to grief, especially with my dad, this is a forever feeling. And not that I will feel this intensely forever, but I'm, I know I can tell, um, that I'm different now and my work will be different now. And, life will be different now. And I don't know in all the ways, but I know that I'm in the midst of an awakening and that is equally sad and hard and beautiful because it's human and it's life. And it's proof that we are living, (laughs) that we're still going and that's good. So yeah, that's kinda where I'm at this week, y'all. I don't I don't know if you made it through to this long. I, I think this is a, probably a hard one to listen to. I'm a little rambly, but I'm I'm grateful for y'all being here. And if you don't see another quick chat next week, that is because I am on my anniversary trip with my husband in the middle of the woods and I couldn't get it to you. Um, but we'll, we'll be back the week after, um, and I appreciate you being patient with me in advance for the process of navigating feelings and doings and how to be a productive contributor while also being a messy living human person. So thank you guys and I will see you next time.